I'm Ryan Anderson, a Pioneer sales rep from Thamesville, and you're listening to the Pioneer Made to Grow podcast. Thanks, Ryan, and thank you for listening to the Pioneer Made to Grow podcast. When it comes to new technology in seed, the new traits that are hitting the market can be a top discussion for a lot of growers. The conversation you had with your seed rep this winter and spring likely included everything from the top yielding varieties and hybrids to which of those varieties are going to help you in your battle against herbicide resistant weeds. And it's that conversation that brings us to today's episode. If you listen back to episode four in our second season, we chatted specifically about all the elements a grower has in their toolbox to battle those weeds for the long term. But one tool that continues to get a lot of questions is the Enlist system. Here in Ontario, there are a growing number of acres using it, but if you look south of the border, already 40% of America's soybean acres are traded Enlist. That's a 4-0%. So we've called in two familiar voices to help discuss what they are hearing from growers and more importantly, what they are seeing in their production trials here in Canada. Chris Olback is an area agronomist with Pioneer and Phil Emmett is a Corteva Crop Protection Territory Manager. I was able to track them down to the back roads of rural Ontario on a beautiful spring morning. Well, first of all, Chris, Phil, thanks very much for joining us today. Glad to be here. Happy to be here too. So we want to talk a lot about, we, we, we touched a little on it in a previous episode about that resistant weeds, how can we do a better job of stewardship when it comes to spraying. And one of the really interesting things that I learned from you, Phil, was that 40% of U.S. soybean acres are traded with Enlist, which to me is a huge number and a huge progression of where those growers have come along. Here in Ontario, here in Canada, the numbers are not quite as high. Why do you think the difference is there? It just takes time to convert those those mindsets and those acres over to to a different platform. Now, Chris, then in terms of bringing the Ontario or the Canadian grower along, is there something that we need to think of? Or is it just, again, as Phil said, time, it'll just take some time? Yeah, I think, you know, when I take a look at that, the past three years of my career, um, some of those the portion of that time was spent out in eastern Ontario. And uh, there, um, the challenges uh, that they face growing soybeans can be a little bit different than where I cover now, which is the rural routes of uh, basically Niagara to St. Thomas. Um, while those challenges are different, um, I think it it does play in to how, how people select soybeans for those areas, and that's what they're focused on, right? Picking, picking the right variety uh, to, to face the challenges that they might have. Uh, and be successful. So, um, the the herbicide component of that is is a very important piece to that, um, and it's something they're paying attention to. But it does take time for them to find something they like. And and the sales reps that I work with in both areas, we've been working really hard to do that. So, that's probably what takes uh, takes precedent a lot of time. Well, and I wonder too, like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but is it just a case of like we're seeing more and more of those resistant weeds creep north? they've been dealing with them a lot longer than we have. Yeah, for sure. So 
uh, two things. It's it's it takes time to always adapt to a new system, but also there 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 has to be more of a need, and we're seeing that more as those you're right as those resistant weeds become more prevalent, as the need for more chemistry and more options becomes comes uh, paramount, uh, that will also encourage and, and create a need for more of those acres to convert over as well. Now, in terms of, I mean, the other piece of the puzzle always is, like, does it work? Is the yield there? Is the response actually going to be there? That confidence from the grower perspective is is a big question mark, too. Chris, I know you've done a lot in terms of trying to track that. What have you found specifically with the plots here in Ontario? Yeah, so this year in, in my geography, um, you know, it, I can take you for a ride, Andrew, sometime down highway number three and as soon as you hit Cockshut Road and cross that and keep heading east uh, the soil characteristics are entirely different right so the way we uh, we handle that is by cooperating with uh, uh, people that will will work with our research team to plant uh, what's called an impact right and uh, we can see um, certain varieties that were are pre-commercial uh, under those conditions and that's been a really great opportunity for us to uh, to have a little bit of a window into how these are going to perform going forward so we've done that with the enlist beans that we're presenting uh, this year to the Ontario farmer. Uh, we have 11 new varieties that are all E3, um, but they all bring something else different to the table uh, than what we've seen. So we're excited to do that. Uh, and we we're pretty confident in how they're going to, how they're going to respond to this, this uh, environment this year. So, yep. Then Phil, in terms of like from a wider geographic area, what's the data been looking like for some of those uh, enlist products? For sure, those the enlist products uh, they've been available in Ontario for the last three years, uh, and certainly would be contenders in any plots that they're entered in. Um, they are they are genetics that you can rely on. Uh, their genetics have been developed for a long period of time. They're well proven. They've been through the, our proving system, um, and that's what's helping to build the confidence that we're starting to see now. Then, in terms of you know the, the next stage of that, in my mind is you know, what Enlist actually can do from that spray perspective in terms of, you know, is there the ability, is there a little more flexibility maybe in terms of being able to spray at a specific time? Can you talk a little bit about what you've seen from those tests and what growers are actually doing? So the flexibility of, of the Enlist system is really is really extremely exciting and interesting. Um, Enlist, uh, it's, it's three modes of, of, of herbicide tolerance. It's uh, glyphosate or Roundup, uh, Liberty or glufosinate, and then of course, of course 2,4-D. Um, and the, and the, the flexibility of that means that not all, every single one of those modes has to be used every time we're going into a field. Um, it also allows us quite a, quite a label range for, 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 for spraying weeds in that crop. So um, Enlist Duo, for example, which is 2,4-D and glyphosate uh, as a premix, can be used all the way up to full R2 in the, in the bean, so full flower. Um, giving that grower a great great level of flexibility and when they want to uh, approach that. And of course, they all work very well in a, in a systems approach, a layering approach of herbicides, which is what we really want to see. So we want to see them use with something else, a group five or a group 14, um, to, to have multiple modes of action on those, on, on those weeds so that we're not relying on the same mode every time. And hopefully we can delay further herbicide resistance uh, in the marketplace. Now, I do want to come back to that stewardship kind of question in a minute here but if we stick on the flexibility side Chris in terms of just that spray timing because I know that you know running in with dicamba has created some 
um, you know, challenges, some maybe discussions between neighbors, you're in a territory that actually probably suffers from that more than any other area of the province. Yeah, so I mentioned, you know, just the wide variety of crops uh, that, that we do grow in Norfolk County is a good example of that. Um, and we've seen, uh, I've seen my reps working through a lot of situations in the past where um, it's, it's, been a, it's been a challenge to actually use that technology as it's been intended uh, uh, for in terms of layering, uh, as Phil mentioned, layering uh, chemicals, right? So, but now we have this opportunity uh, that the, the enlist molecule will stay where it's uh, supposed to. Um, we can go in and we can use that technology to our to our benefit. Uh, if if we do find ourselves in a situation where, um, uh, you know, weeds are coming up and we're 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 running into issues, um, and we can use it quite safely, um, and that's been a real ben ben benefit. Uh. You know, in the testing of enlist, we actually planted uh, tomato plants right beside the soybeans. Um, tomatoes are super susceptible to to two four D. They love to die from it. Um, just to show that. That that this 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 product, the enlist dual stage, right where we spray it. So it's you know we never say no volatility, but it's certainly ultra low volatility. We can have good confidence that in the right conditions, uh, it's going to stay where we put it. And that's really what, from a stewardship standpoint, uh, as growers, that we really need to make sure that we're using these products according to the label, uh, according to how they're best going to work, and also from a, from a neighborhood and a stewardship perspective, we're we're making sure they're going to stay where we put them. Because, I mean, even though we do talk about some of these more tender fruit side of things like the tomatoes, I mean, there's a lot of other areas of the province that, you know, might have that alfalfa field beside it, that IP field beside it, that, you know, we, we've seen some of those issues over the last number of years as growers try to tidy up some of those resistant weeds. We're just not seeing that so far with Enlist? Yeah, no, we've had uh, really good uh, response from the industry where we've used it so far um, and and like I said we're as a pioneer team we're really looking to uh, deploy this on a larger scale going forward um, and you know that that takes into and into account all the things we're trying to develop on the on the genetic side uh, but it's just great to know that we're going to be able to use this uh, this chemistry uh, uh, safely and productively going forward. So then going forward, you touched on that stewardship element, Phil, in terms of, you know, what do we as growers need to think of? Because, I mean, I'm just as guilty as anyone that, wow, this works. It works well. The yields are good. Why don't I just keep doing this over and over and over again? Because, you know, it works. That's not really the direction we necessarily want to go as an industry forever. No, it's... You know, if you keep in mind, um, 2,4-D is one of the oldest molecules, and it's only 1949, it was really around there, that it was really discovered. The advent of, of chemistry and agriculture chemistry in that 70 years, and now look at the, the challenges we face, we've probably found all the easy molecules to find. The next ones are going to be probably a little more difficult. So we need to have great stewardship. We need to have that long look. And, and sure, this really worked well this year, but what also could I maybe try next year? What, what can I rotate in? Um, what can I use up front as a pre to make sure I don't always need to use a Liberty or a Roundup or a 2,4-D in crop to clean these weeds up, right? So we need to take a bit of a longer approach. Um, you know, I know in one of the previous episodes, Mike Cabro spoke about, you know, potentially using a cover crop or some tillage. I think, I think going forward, we're going to need all the tools in the toolbox. We can't pigeonhole ourselves into saying this is all we use and this is all we do. Um, we need to be open and, 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 and think a little more proactively as, as we're going to keep trying to help feed the world. So then how do you have that discussion with a grower that maybe has been comfortable with, you know, one type of trait, 
you know, one crop, whatever. How, how do you have that conversation to try to change their mold a bit to say, okay, this is about long-term stewardship? Yeah, so, so I think when you talk about long-term stewardship, we think about how much agriculture really has changed even in the last 10 or 15 years. Um, you know, 15 years ago, corn was, you know, $4 a bushel. Um, land price was four or $5,000 an acre, right? Like there was a lot of economics that were different. And unfortunately, not all of the all of the of, of the economics on the farming side have changed. But sure, the big picture has changed, and we're certainly being looked at at a much tighter scope now um, now than we were then. So, for sure, uh, short term thinking, I understand that today's economics don't always aren't always as rosy as tomorrow's economics. But we always do need to take a long term approach. Um, most of the operations I work with. They, they certainly have a legacy approach to their operation, right? They have a next generation coming along or somebody else. They want to make sure they leave their operation in better shape for the next generation. And I think that's a lot of where these stewardship conversations go is how do we make sure we leave the best operation we can, whether that's from a financial side or from sure from a weed bank side, um, to making sure that they can be as successful or more successful, hopefully, than we were. Then in terms of, you know, okay, we've got, as we said before, 40% of soybeans traded in the U.S. with Enlist, not that number here. Um, you know, what's, what's the best way for a grower who probably isn't going to go all in, both feed in at once? You know, what are some of the best ways for them to get started and be testing this uh, technology? That's a really great question. We get that uh, quite a bit from farmers all the time when, when I've been out working with them. Um, and a lot of uh, reps too, as well, are uh, thinking about how this might uh, might play out for their operation going forward as well. I think the best thing that they can do is, is get together uh, at the table and discuss um, where the fit will be for uh, for each variety that we're coming out with uh, and the system that Phil's uh, talked about um, and that we've talked about previously. Right? Um, we know the tools are here, and then it's about how how do we deploy them. Right? So uh, a lot of what's worked. Uh, you know, from, from our standpoint is, uh, taking, uh, you know, a, a look at a certain variety, uh, maybe planting a whole field to that, uh, cause we don't want to mix them up. Right. And, uh, <laughs> what does it go badly if you start mixing up herbicide traded yeah, beans? For, for sure. Uh, I've been on some of those calls and, and a group four is not a group four, uh, dicamba tolerant beans and 2,4-D tolerant beans do not cross mix. Uh, those are, those are terribly sad sad calls so it is important to know where we put everything and we put the right product on the right product so we have a lot of growers that that realize that right like uh you know it's i shake a jug of dicamba at the soybean it's it's gonna it's gonna fall over right um so yeah so we certainly don't want to make those mistakes right um not at all so uh one of the one of the approaches we've been taking is uh is definitely just just trying a whole field of that uh, particular variety and the system and uh, trialing the system and of course, uh, of taking a look at all the herbicide options available to them, but then how Enlist fits into that picture. Um, so, so we have a number of farmers that are, once they make the switch, it's going to be all in. Um, and that's, that's the majority of, of who we talk to. And uh, that's great. And we're getting there. Um, but it, it'll take a little bit of trial um, to, to get a few of those varieties and the system out there with farmers. And that's what we're working on today. And we're really excited about with the reps that uh, are involved in this. So. Well, because it does take, and you know, as you say that, it does take that extra steps of, you know, we've got to make sure that cedar is cleaned out. Um, when it comes time to spray, like there's got to be that rinse out. It's not just real easy to go from one to the other. So it really is about, from a grower perspective, Phil, making a plan. 
Yeah, for sure. And, and we all know that the first step of every plan is to make sure you have another plan because when the, if this one changes, um, and that's kind of the nice thing about the enlist system. But I think you you have to you have to consider um, that we don't just grow soybeans. We got a couple different systems. We have different. Those are different crops, right? No different than you. Make sure you do a good job of cleaning out the sprayer between corn and beans and wheat and what have you. IP beans and enlist beans and other other beans, other traded beans are going to need to be treated differently. And we need to have, you know, we have need to have our planters cleaned out. We need to have our, our sprayers cleaned out. For sure, we need to be approaching them like it's a new crop. Now, in terms of then going forward over the next few years, like, do you, I mean, just, just thinking about how this system works, I mean, there, there must be a, there must be a vision that the enlist system really could take a lot of acres in this province. Certainly, Andrew, because, you know, from Pioneer standpoint, we are looking to move in that direction for 2025. Now that's going to look differently for, for most, uh, most territories in the province, because Ontario's it's, it's full of different soil types and environments. But uh, one thing uh, that I'm confident in is our, our breeders' ability to, uh, to bring enlist to the, to the marketplace in, in Ontario. So we're taking a look at uh, all the different uh, environments that we have to, to, to breed soybeans for. And you've heard about that from Evelyn and John and how excited they are about uh, the things that they're working uh, together on. Um, and I'm certainly involved in that for my area. Uh, but that that's going to bring us to where we need to be with the uh, Enlist E3 system. And uh, it's it's coming quickly. I, and I would look at the fact that every uh, soybean seed company in Ontario, for sure, in, in eastern Canada, is working with the Enlist um, platform. Uh, that would, that would to me, would be the best indicator of that's where they see this market going as well. Um, this isn't just one company or one brand pushing this. This is the entire industry saying, hey, this is this is pretty good. We should work with this. Um, so then, you know, the growing season is underway. Um, you know, you, you mentioned that conversation, Phil, about, uh, or the episode we had with Mike talking about some of those resistant weeds. I mean, as we go into the growing season, any kind of tips or thoughts that growers need to look out for when it does come to, you know, weed, pest management, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think Mike has trained me well to say that um, we want to we want to spray and we want to kill weeds when they're young. The smaller, the better. They they all die better when they're uh, better when they're smaller. Um, and we can go from uh, in a five day window from yep we can kill that to that's past. We're going to look at it and and feel remorse. Um, so so you know I know the the original idea with with Roundup Ready soybeans was that we were going to wait until everything was up before we cleaned those up. And I would I would certainly caution and challenge that we want to we want to approach these fields as soon as we can um, we all know the critical weed free period um, we want to keep those fields as clean as we can um, that brings a whole lot of good things obviously it's going to we're going to see less yield impact we're seeing uh, less seeds in the in the, in the seed bank um, but we're also going to see uh, less or, or de- certainly delayed uh, herbicide resistance caused by, by making sure we kill things when they're younger that's what phil learned from mike what have you learned from mike what do we have to watch for chris no i think you hit the nail right on the head, right? Controlling weeds, not necessarily when they're small, but when they're young, right? When they're actively growing and getting out ahead of it and uh, doing being a little preemptive rather than, uh, you know, uh, prophylactic later on, I think is going to be really important. And we talk about, um, you know, our, our approach to certain resistance, uh, uh, you know, when, when we talk about uh, resistance management as well, that's going to be really important with water hemp coming into my area um, in, in a bigger way, uh, but also fleabane, you know, you talk about, Everyone has their uh, their particular 
resist resistant weed that they're managing. So uh, we need we need to get out ahead of that. And these these are going to be great tools if we use them correctly. I, I even think about something as as, as, as as common as everybody sees as lamb quarters. That would still be one of the most problematic weeds for most growers uh, throughout the province in eastern Canada. Lamb's quarters die a whole lot easier at, at two inches tall than they do at four inches tall than for sure at six inches tall. So by the time you see them, there's probably more of them than you think there are, and they're probably bigger than you think they are, especially by the time you get a sprayer to come back and, and clean those up. So um, being more out in front of it, um, being a little faster, and being a little more intentional, I, I certainly would uh, encourage and agree with. Well, gentlemen, did we miss anything? I think just get excited for more enlist soybeans from Pioneer because we're, we're increasing our testing threefold this year. We're going to have a lot more varieties that are going to be available to farmers in the years to come. Um, and, uh, you know, certainly we have time to, to go slow into it, but uh, we're, we're looking right ahead to the future for it. So we're excited. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me at this plot today. Thanks so much for having us, Andrew. Have a great one. And that does it for this episode. Next time, as corn continues to pop out of the ground across the province, the next big job to look after it is going to be side dressing. What's the most economical amount that combines both the cost of 28 and the yield response? We'll find out what the research says next time. On behalf of myself and the entire team, thanks so much for listening. Don't forget you can always get in touch on Twitter at PioneerSeedsCA or my personal handle, Fresh Air Farmer. And of course, if you ever have any questions about something you hear on an episode or anything else, make sure to talk to your local Pioneer rep or visit pioneer.com Canada.